Welcome to Woman Up, a podcast that flips the script on women, work, faith, and justice. I'm your host, Kate Brim Sanical, a social entrepreneur, gender, and diversity advocate based in Cape Town, South Africa. This podcast is produced by Blessing Mpofu of Sea Light Media. You will also ask questions and contribute to the conversation from time to time. Hey, Blessing. Thanks for having me. In this two-part series, we will be discussing the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence an international campaign that runs from November 25th to December 10th and is focused around bringing awareness to violence against women and girls globally. I still remember when I was in my early 20s, I had moved here to Cape Town from Fort Worth, Texas, and my husband and I were having dinner with a new couple we just met. I listened all evening to this woman speaking about her decades-long work in the gender empowerment space, talking about how important this work was. I remember sitting there thinking, but women are already equal and being really confused. So over the next few years that followed, that naive belief in me was soon exposed as I slowly started to realize all the ways in which I was completely enculturated in a world that said that it valued women equally, but it definitely did not. Now that those blinders have been taken off, I can tell you story upon story of experiencing sexism in my upbringing. But at the time, I thought nothing of it. It was my normal. And I think that is the bigger question we need to be discussing in all of this. What are we considering normal that is actually bringing great harm to women? What normal everyday things that we all do contribute towards a society that makes it unsafe for women? You don't have to be an actual batterer or perpetrator or rapist to be complicit in creating the norms in which those abusers can thrive. So wherever you are in the world, this information is really important to know and be aware of so that we can get help if we find ourselves in this situation, or it can allow us to pick up on warning signs and red flags in our friends and family and give them the support and care they need. And understanding the language behind it and how we can be part of shifting conversations and norms on a daily basis is also probably one of the most important things everyone can start doing today to help women everywhere. You would be so surprised the difference that it makes to just use inclusive and respectful language towards women. It is the first step to ensuring an environment where she is valued, and it creates stepping stones to evening out those power differentials that make her so vulnerable to abuse in the first place. According to the latest estimates, nearly one in three women aged 15 years and older around the world have been subjected to physical or sexual violence by an intimate partner, non-partner, or both, at least once in their lifetime. This indicates that levels of violence against women and girls have remained largely unchanged over the last decade. Then we throw COVID into the mix in 2020 and it all intensified. Women and girls have been most adversely affected by the pandemic, leaving them even more vulnerable than they were before. The UN's Unite to End Violence Against Women campaign states that the economic fallout from COVID is expected to push 47 million more women and girls into extreme poverty in 2021. This is reversing decades of progress and perpetuating structural inequalities that reinforce violence against women and girls. For some background and a hint into why I care so deeply about these issues, I am the founder and managing director of Sparrow Society, an international women's empowerment brand. We work to create opportunities for the sustainable economic advancement of women in order to subversively shift mindsets around the value of women and girls, thus shifting the power differentials that increase gender-based violence and other social inequalities. For more info, you can visit www.sparrowsociety.com. 
Working in the gender equity space, we have realized that there are a lot of misconceptions around gender equality in general, which we will discuss, but I want to focus our main attention to the misconceptions around domestic violence and intimate partner violence, or IPV. We're going to also discuss the cultural norms and biases that create an environment for that abuse to thrive unchecked. And then we're going to talk about how we use economic empowerment as a means to subversively shift those power differentials. And ultimately, how you can be the change you wish to see in the world in this area. We are going to talk about all the P's in this series. Power, patriarchy, prejudice, perception, privilege, and provision. For the sake of trying to get to all of these incredibly complex topics in a short series, we are really going to just scratch the surface. We will definitely go more in depth in all of these topics in future episodes, as all of this is really the reason and our why behind all that we do at Sparrow Society. To start us off, we're going to talk about power imbalances, because this is really where it all stems from. On a sociocultural level, we have the cultural norms in society that creates unsafe spaces for women. So we're going to start with one of the big P's, patriarchy. So this is definitely a word that makes some uncomfortable, but we aren't going to shy away from the uncomfortable things here. So settle in. Patriarchy isn't an opinion. It is an actual cultural norm that has been prevalent in civilization for a very, very long time. Pretending like it isn't there isn't doing us any favors. Patriarchy is essentially a cultural norm whereby males are given more authority and power over women. It is based on a belief that men are better equipped to be leaders and women are better equipped to run households. Now, there is a whole spectrum of how this works itself out across cultures, socioeconomic classes, and faith communities, but really there is nowhere in the world where this belief does not impact women, even if she doesn't realize it. In fact, in many cases, she does not. So yes, this stronghold is especially prevalent in more rural areas and in lower income communities, but even what most consider to be the most quote unquote advanced or developed societies in higher income communities and countries that seem more gender equal, subconscious gender bias still plays a major role in how women are viewed, treated, and responded to, particularly in matters of abuse, which is what the 16 Days of Activism is all about. For today, I really want to focus on the implications of this in the realm of gender-based violence and intimate partner violence. I'm going to talk about these in particular since this is the area that goes unreported and often severely misunderstood and at great cost to women. There are a lot of factors involved in IPV, but what I have noticed over the years of working with women going through this is that patriarchal norms in society, in our communities, in our families, it all makes it incredibly difficult for a woman not only to protect herself from abuse, but to even know that she should be protected from it. Patriarchy lends itself to unsafe power differentials in the home. If the man's power is challenged in the home, it is viewed as disrespect. This is a very common excuse used in domestic abuse cases. She is blamed for the assault because she either didn't do as she was told or she stood up for herself and he felt he needed to put her back in her place as if her disobedience warranted her punishment. In more extreme patriarchal families, cultures, and communities, and faiths, child marriage becomes a reality for young girls as young as 12 and 13. Essentially, once she starts her period, she is eligible. This is more common in rural areas, but really there is no culture or space that this isn't an issue. 
that shocks a lot of people that it is still such an issue around the world. And again, it's still super complex. We think that it's this easy thing that we just say, oh, it's wrong and stop doing it. But there are so many layers to it um, that are both cultural and economic. Um, and again, we're really only scratching the surface today. COVID set progress in this back even further as well. It has been estimated that 11 million girls may not return to school because of COVID-19, thereby increasing her risk of abuse and other vulnerabilities, including child marriage. Even though many countries where it is most prevalent have actually made it illegal, a lot of these communities are run more on traditional based laws and the marriages are certified in their community or tribe based system. So these laws don't always protect them the way that we think they do. The large age gap between the girls and their husband often results in abuse. The girls are given little and limited information about their rights, which results in abuse and little legal assistance. Even if she could get out, she would have nowhere to go, as it often brings great shame on her family, and the economic provision from both husband and other family is often cut off. Lack of education limits her from having choices and opportunities throughout her life, and the price of exclusion is poverty sexual and domestic violence. Before we move on to the next one, Kate, you mentioned something about being enculturated a particular way. So in other words, something is made to become normal. Yes. So the enculturation process is is more than just you. It's often the environment that you're in goes beyond just your family as well. Uh, my family was actually very gender equal. My my mother and father actually shared things equally and they made sure that my brother and I did. Um, so my home unit was very different from say my church unit and the, the work that I started as a teenager. Those worlds were very different. Um, and in that world, you, there were constant messages that devalued women and girls. Um, and these messages are often not explicit. <laughs> They're not right in your face. They don't say, hey, you're a woman. I don't value you. But it's little subliminal messages that slowly chip away what a woman believes herself to be capable of and what she believes she can do. So even though I had my parents on one side telling me that I could do anything I wanted and be anything I wanted to be, the world was telling me something very, very different. And as a young mind as well, you're learning from everything. You're picking things up. Even as an adult, we pick up things just from our environment and we don't always know how it impacts us. We don't always know what it's doing to our psyche and what it's doing to the way we view ourselves. I think that's the bigger process. Enculturation is more than just learning something and choosing to believe it. Enculturation is often subconscious. It's something that you don't realize you are believing and that you don't realize isn't normal in general. How easy is it for, what does it take? Let me put it this way. What does it take for someone who might not recognize that they are in a system that's even working against them? They might not even realize that the, uh, or whatever space they exist in. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so that is super complex issue, just like everything else we're talking about. It um, stems from what's considered confirmation bias. 
So we are, we, we are constantly hearing messages um, and they often conflict one another. Um, but what confirmation bias does is it is this subconscious part of us that decides which of those bits of information we're going to actually listen to and believe to be true. So we've seen this a lot recently um, in the news. We choose which news articles we're going to believe or which parts of them. For me, the difference came, as I explained, it was shortly after I moved here. Um, newly married, meeting this couple. And this woman was telling this story that I, that did not match my own bias about where women stood. And so initially I did not believe her. And I thought she was just this older woman who is stuck in another time. Women have arrived. It's time for her to get on board was kind of my mindset at the time. Living cross-culturally, moving from a place like Fort Worth, Texas to Cape Town, South Africa, my entire world shifted. What was around me shifted. I was almost forced to look outside of my own culture um, because I was surrounded by people who weren't from my culture. Even my husband is not from my culture. So I was forced on a daily basis to look outside of everything that I ever thought to be true. <laughs> that sounds intense, but it, it really did force me to look outside of the bounds of what is normal. Um, and it allowed me to rewrite what I believe to be normal and even what that means. <laughs> normal doesn't mean that it's the way it has to be or the way we have to continue being. So the enculturation process, and I think for, for anyone else, most people don't move countries. Um, so that's, I mean, you did. <laughs> yeah, well, I did, yeah. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for yes. the listeners, and I think, and the reason really why I wanted to start this podcast is to open people's mindsets to that. Um, so many of us are stuck in our little bubbles and it's important to, a big part of this process is important to open yourself up to other stories. If you hear a story that doesn't match what you already believe, that is not the time to shut down and ignore it. And we almost do it to protect ourselves. But I think I want to encourage people in this process to rather lean in. In those times when someone is saying something that you don't agree with, lean in and figure out why do they believe that? Ask questions. Don't judge. Ask questions. Try to figure it out and see if maybe they have a point that you haven't considered. If they have an experience that you don't have that maybe shifts the way that they view the world and that can impact the way that you then view the world. Um, and that's really what this is all about is allowing people to hear these stories in a way that shifts their own lens. And so it's, it's not just these misconceptions around GBV and intimate partner violence and domestic violence. We all hold these biases towards these issues. Um, and it's time that we really start actually listening to, <laughs> to the stories of these women and to the issues on a larger scale. Otherwise, it's just going to keep happening. So that question leads right into our next big P. Um, so our next P is prejudice um, or bias. So these cultural norms lend to gender prejudice and bias in the home, in the workplace, on a much wider scale. Even in societies where gender equality is seen as a goal or is supported, our conscious mind may believe that women are equal, but our subconscious mind is full of gender bias. It impacts the way we interact with women, our first impressions of women versus men, the way we view the same traits in women versus men. For example, you have confidence and assertiveness is considered a leadership quality in men, whereas it is often seen as an undesirable trait in women. She is then seen as difficult and arrogant. We like for women to comply with our comfortable, compliant image of them, with the image that we grew up with. 
So when women don't comply with that image, our subconscious throws up all these red flags and our gut feeling is to turn away and that they are not to be trusted. But that is an issue with our own bias, not with her, not with her ability, not with her actions. It is on us to be aware of our own bias and take steps to correct it. And this goes beyond gender. It's true for race bias, culture bias, economic bias, and that list goes on. But this gender bias goes beyond just some uncomfortable interactions for women. It actually leads to a devaluation of women's bodies and worth, increasing her vulnerability to sexual abuse, physical abuse, and it affects the way we respond to that abuse. So not only is she more vulnerable to it because of our cultural norms and biases, but she is less likely to get the help that she needs because of those factors as well. To rewrite a norm is not a small thing. To rewrite language is not a small thing. It is something that takes a daily reconditioning of our beliefs, but I believe we can do it. And that is what this podcast is all about. If you have any questions or comments on the episode today, we would love to hear from you. You can email womanup at katebrimsanical.com or find me on social media at katebrimsanical. Everywhere except TikTok because I still can't figure that thing out.